as I mentioned, um, when I started reading the Bible, and really even to this very day, some uh, 42 and a half years later, the Bible just came alive for me. Uh, I, I'm not bragging. I'm, I'm just, I don't know how to describe it. It just is so real to me. Um, and so, of course, there are places in the Bible, stories, examples, events that uh, really touch me. And uh, in the New Testament, there's, there's obviously a, a number of things, but some of my favorites have to do when uh, Jesus is walking with a huge crowd around him. And there's a, a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years, and she is very desperate. Some people like to say, well, you know, oh, she had a lot of faith. Mm, I disagree. First of all, you don't need a lot of faith. Jesus said all you need is the size of a mustard seed. But she did show up that day, I would say, more like hoping that something might happen. See, for me, I really relate to what um, the father who brought his little boy initially to the disciples. They couldn't do anything. And then Jesus showed up and he had this conversation with him. You know, if you can do something to help my my little boy— um, and Jesus, of course, confronts him with, you know, what do you mean if? And uh, says, you know, all things are possible. I would say lots of things are possible. I don't know that all things are possible. There are things the Lord cannot do. He can't compromise his holiness, for example. Although I don't think that's what Jesus was talking about. He is saying there's lots of things he can do. And that's when the man says, you know, I, I believe, I, I believe that. But you know, I know you can, but my question is, will you? Help my unbelief. Help, will you do something? And I think that's similar to this, this woman. You know, she believed that Jesus could do something. She'd heard the stories, she maybe even had friends talk about it who had seen things occur. But would he do it for me? And, um, and so she's almost like a shadow. She's there, but no one really sees her. And she's just hoping that she doesn't dare actually ask him to help her. She's thinking, if I can just touch his garment, maybe I'll get help. And she does. Jesus knows immediately that something went through him, some power, divine power went through him. Um, I've experienced that. I, I lay hands on people and they get healed. I can feel it too. And um, so she's pretty uh, impacted by that. And I just, just when I see that, I see the look on her face, the, the shock, really, <laughs> that something did happen and she got healed. And of course, it's also right about that moment when Jarius, the synagogue ruler, shows up. He's pushing his way through the crowd. Um, he's desperate, again, very much like the woman. Got to get help. I've got to get help. If there's anyone that can do anything, maybe Jesus can. And then, of course, Jesus goes with him to his house and uh, puts out everybody, all the, the mourners, some of them faking the mourning, um, puts them out of the house, and then goes into the, to the room where the little girl is laying dead. And again, for me, just seeing the moment that she comes back to life, the look on her parents' face, on their faces, 
the impact that must have been to them. And then Jesus saying, uh, get your daughter something to eat. My guess is they both grabbed her and each other, hugging. And after maybe they separated and the mother went to get something to eat, Jairus must have stood up and looked at Jesus. How do you thank someone like that for doing what they did? I, I, I don't know. Again, I've been in those situations where a person is, needs profound help. And the power of the Spirit does something. For real, it's the real thing. It's not fake. It's not show business. I could name names of those who do show business. A lot of fakery goes on. But when you see the real thing, and it's so humble, and it's so profound. I think the, the disciples, certainly like Matthew and, and uh, Peter, when they wrote what they wrote, Mark was actually Peter's amanuensis, his scribe. So the gospel of Mark is really Peter. When you when you read these things, you know, these were events that I think impacted those guys. That's why they remembered them. And I have some stories like that too that I, I want to share. So my mother, uh, who a friend of hers led her to Jesus, she came to visit. And uh, when it came time for Sunday to go to church, I, I said, Mama, just want to kind of give you a heads up. Uh, things are a little different at this church. Uh, she said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, you've been going to a very traditional Baptist church with this friend of yours. And, you know, this is, uh, this is a little different. Well, like what? And I said, well, I, I'll just let you see it. <laughs> but I just want to give you the heads up. So uh, we get there. And um, was sitting in in my usual usual place where I usually sat with my wife and children, and my my mother is sitting kind of at the end of that. You know, it's me, my wife, um, my daughters in my lap, and then my two sons, and then my mother. So we start to worship, which of course was different. People standing and they're worshiping, they're lifting their hands, they're doing various things, you know. And um, after a few moments, I hear a noise. And I recognize it as a demonic sound. So I start sort of looking around me, say, like, where's this demonic sound coming from? And then I look down the, the, down the row, and there's my mom on the floor manifesting demons. <laughs> now, my mom had a very difficult life. She had a lot of issues going on uh, for as long as I'd known her. And um, had been to doctors and psychiatrists and had taken pills and all that kind of jazz. But um, there she is manifesting demons. The people on the row behind her are looking at her, looking at me, looking at her, looking at me like, what do we do? This is the, the mother of one of the pastors. <laughs> you know. So I started to, to move toward her, and I felt like the Lord said, leave her alone. This is between her and I. I'm like, okay, no problem, Jesus. <laughs> Go for, have fun. <laughs> you know. So I went back, and my wife is looking at me like, aren't you going to do something? I said, it's okay. We're, we're good. So I just went back to worshiping. So um, when we finished worshiping, my mom, I look over at my mom. She's laying very peacefully on the floor. So I go over to her and I said, Mom, can you, can you get up? She opened her eyes. She said, yes. 
So her, when, when the power of God does stuff to people, sometimes their knees get weak. They're kind of unstable. And so I help her get to into her chair. And I'm, I'm kneeling on one knee looking at her. And I say, Mama, are you okay? She goes, wow, what was that? <laughs> I said, well, I'll explain it to you when we get home. <laughs> My mom, from that day forward, was a completely different person. I mean, like a, a person I never knew before. She was so full of life. It was awesome. When my dad found out I was a Christian, he had a, a burial for me. He wrote me out of the will. He, I, I was dead. I had died. And he had nothing to do with me. Even when I would send him pictures of my children, he would send the pictures back to me, unopened, the letter unopened. And so this one day, though, we got into some conversation and because he really didn't want to talk with me. But um, we were in a certain place where I had a chance to talk with him. And uh, he said, you know, son, if you're so concerned that you know, when, when you die, you know, you're going to go to hell. We're Jews. We don't have to worry about that kind of thing. And uh, I said, well, how do you know that? He says, look, all you have to do is find a verse in the daily prayer book the Hebrew daily prayer book, in which the first letter of the first word of the sentence begins with the first letter of your Hebrew name, and that the last letter in the same sentence of the last word of that sentence is the last letter of your Hebrew name. And just say that sentence to the Almighty, and you're in. Say, so, okay, that seems a little superstitious. Well, I wasn't even going to waste my time trying to find such a thing. It, the the prayer, daily prayer book's about two and a half inches thick. So I'm thinking, I don't got time for this. Well, a few weeks later, he actually sent it to me. He found it. He actually sent me the entire book, and he dog-eared the page and then underlined the sentence. And sure enough, it was a single sentence that began with the first letter of the first word, my Hebrew name, and the last letter of my Hebrew name, the last letter of the last word of that same sentence. So I didn't, of course, it's in Hebrew, so I had to look it up, see what it was. It turned out to be Psalm 20, verse 7. Jesus came into my life when I was 27. The verse says, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but I will trust in the name of the Lord. I thought, you know, I think I will say that. When I was when I would preach, uh, when I was scheduled because out of the six pastors, three of us did the preaching, and uh, when it was in my rotation, uh, when I was scheduled, I would spend some time with the Lord, of course, before the service, and I'd say, "Lord, what do you want to do? I don't care. I got a sermon, but I don't have to preach. It doesn't matter to me. I care about what you want to do. These are your people, or you have an agenda, and I just want to fall in line with you." And I meant it. I really wanted to do that. I didn't want to just do something. So sometimes he would start speaking to me, not audibly, but just in my spirit. And he would give me some things that he wanted. For example, in this particular occasion, he seemed to be saying, I want to minister to someone named Cat. And he spelled it K-A-T. And I, I kind of laughed a little, kind of chuckled. Well, Obviously, it's K-A-T, Lord. It's not going to be C-A-T. It's not like you want to minister some kitty cat, you know. And I felt like the Lord said, be sure you spell, when you say their name, 
say cat and then spell it K-A-T. Okay. Now be sure you say the name and then spell it. Is there anyone here named Cat? K-A-T. Say it like that. Okay. I mean, that was a lot of information. You know, I'm like, that's weird. So I made myself a note and then so I preach and everything at the end of the preaching, I said, I think the Lord may want to minister to some people. And there's is there someone here named Cat? K-A-T. I spelled it. No one moved. I felt the Lord press me. Say it again. So I go, uh, okay. Is there anyone here named Cat? K-A-T. I think the Lord would like to minister to you. No one moved. So I, I was about to give up. And the Lord said, do it again. So it, please, I'm not trying to embarrass anyone. Is there anyone here named Cat? K-A-T. I think the Lord wants to help you in some way. And when I said at that time, I noticed at the back, very back, last row, there was a young man I knew. He was a youth pastor in another church. And there was a young lady sitting next to him that I'd never seen before. And he seemed to be talking with her. And I just waited. And eventually this, this girl stood up, this young woman. She says, my name is Kathleen. I said, oh, Kat. Okay, so I guess maybe the Lord wants to do something. She said, does this relate to you in any way? And she said, well, as a matter of fact, that's how my dad always addressed me. He'd say, hey, Kat, K-A-T, let's go to the store together. Come on, jump in the car. Hey, Kat, K-A-T, let's, let's uh, weed the flower beds or, or whatever. He would, or let's watch this football game. He'd always call my name and then spell it, K-A-T. That was kind of his cute way of, of addressing me. I said, oh, wow, that's unusual. And she said, the thing is, he died a few weeks ago. I've been missing him. <laughs> so the Lord calls her out. Cat. K-A-T. What a moment. The place just went crazy. What a loving thing for the Lord to do. Had an incredible impact on this woman. This young woman. First time I prayed for somebody where I saw the Lord do something. It's a guy that came in. Uh, his wife, as he t told us, made him come get prayer. And uh, he had injured his knee playing basketball. He had one of those Velcro kind of casts on it that he could take it off and then like take a shower and then put it back on. Um, and so he wanted prayer and he's, he was pretty, uh, like, um, yeah, well, I'm here, you know, to get prayer, you know, he had a little sarcasm in his voice. So one of the other pastors and I said, okay, well, we'll pray for you. So he, he sat down I said, well, can you take off this cast just temporarily? He says, yeah, sure. So he, he undoes it and takes it off. So, okay, well, just relax. Uh, we'll just start praying. We'd never really done this before. We were brand new at it. So we lay hands on him. We start praying. In a few moments, his feet, his legs start to kind of bounce. You know, like when someone's sort of nervous and their leg kind of bounces. It was kind of like that. And so uh, I said, hey, uh, it's okay. Just relax. You don't have to be nervous. It's no big deal. We're just praying. He says, uh, well, I'm not nervous. I said, well, why are your legs bouncing like that? He says, I'm not doing that. What? 
<laughs> what do you mean you're not doing that? He looks at me. I'm not doing that. You're kidding. He says, no. I said, okay, so maybe the Lord's doing something. So we kept praying. And as we kept praying, it got kind of stronger and stronger. Then it began to slow down and finally stop. The other pastor looks at me like, what do we do now? I, inside me, I said, Lord, is there anything else? And I felt like the Lord responded. This man has flat feet. That's why he keeps getting injured. Well, I'm looking at his shoes and he's wearing a pair of Reebok tennis shoes. And I always thought if you had flat feet, you had to have like special shoes. But I felt the Lord press me. He has flat feet. I'm fixing his flat feet. I'm putting arches in his feet. And so I asked him, I said, do you, do you have flat feet? And he looked at me surprised. He says, how do you know that? I said, I, I think Jesus just told me. He says, oh, I'm really embarrassed about my flat feet. I never tell anybody that. And I said, well, I, I think this may be the problem. So, um, and the Lord's not done. Can I untie? Your shoes are tied tight and he, he needs some opening for your foot. So can I untie your shoes? He said, uh, okay. So I untied the first one, and that leg began bouncing. I untied the second one, and that leg began bouncing. So we just stood there and waited for another minute or so, slowed down and stopped. The other pastor looks at me like, well, Lord, is there anything else? But that's it. Okay, take off your shoes. Let's take a look. The guy had arches. He actually has a... a, a, a uh, an x-ray of his flat feet and feet with arches. Not a big deal. I mean, it didn't like save his life or something, you know. But at the beginning when we were learning about this, that was a big deal to us. We began to learn how to minister to people, how to pray along with the Holy Spirit and in his power. And so we developed some teaching materials, and about three times a year, we did what we called ministry team training, because we, we did this as a team. We almost, we did not encourage like a single person doing it, like, because we didn't want people to get prideful. We wanted a team to do it. That way, if a person got healed or helped, it was the team. It wasn't one person. It kind of protects you from being, becoming arrogant and prideful. So, of course, when we would do this, again, word had gotten out, and there was just tons of people that would attend this day-long seminar. So, uh, at the lunch break, at the, right before the lunch break, we would have, like, would you like some ministry? If you came, not just to learn about it, but also to receive ministry, come up and we'll pray for you. So, uh, lots of people came forward, and um, we were... Uh, we had other church members who we'd already trained that were helping us as pastors. And so I was just sort of walking around, just uh, you know, making sure everything's going okay, there's not any big problem or anything. And I noticed this woman, she's by herself, and she was standing there waiting for someone to pray for her. She had her eyes closed and her hands out in front of her with her palms up, like hoping something will be put into her hands. And... Uh, I felt drawn to her, and I thought, I think I'm supposed to pray for this woman. So I start to move toward her, and I feel like the Lord speaks to me and says, ask this woman if she wants to talk or kiss. You can't do both, not at the same time. When I got closer, I noticed that she was talking. She was praying, and she was like, like intense, 
Her lips were moving really fast and she's, her eyes are closed and she's grimacing and she's really, really praying, you know? And so the Lord says again, ask her, does she want to talk or does she want to kiss? You can't do both at the same time. So that was, again, kind of weird, but I've learned to trust the Lord a little bit with stuff like that. So I got closer to her and I said, excuse me, miss, but I feel like the Lord wanted me to ask you, did you want to talk or did you want to kiss? Because you can't do both at the same time. As soon as I said that, she fell backward. I mean, with no one behind her, kabang on the floor. I thought she'd like broken her neck or something. So I'm reaching down. I couldn't grab her quick enough to so before she fell. But now she's laying there. And as I get down close to her, this peace comes over her. I can see it. So I'm like, okay, don't know what that's about, but she seems okay. So I left her alone. She laid there the entire lunchtime. People are returning for the afternoon session. So I go to her and I said, uh, can I help you get up in a, into a chair? Because again, remember, people's knees are kind of wobbly. So I help her into the chair, and of course, I am really curious. I said, can you tell me what this is about, talking and kissing? And she says, uh, I married my high school sweetheart. We were married for about a year, and he died of something the doctors didn't even have a name for. She says, it's been several years now, and I just couldn't, cannot. I've not been able to get over it. I've been to counselors. I've been to other churches. I've been all kinds of places needing help, and I can't get past this for some reason. And so she said, on the way over here, I heard about what's going on here. So on the way over, I said, Lord, if you don't do something, I'm done. I, I can't do this anymore. I said, oh, okay, I get it. You were desperate. But the kissing and the talking thing, she said, well, the one thing that I really, I just cannot get past that I so miss was my husband's kisses. <laughs> So I guess the Lord kissed her in some way and healed her. That was awesome. I think I'll stop there, maybe tell some more stories a little later. Come let us adore him in this place today.